I have a very important question for you. Okay. So as you know, just in case you know, but I know. let the audience know. I don't know what I know. <laughs> <laughs> I got a record player for Christmas. Oh, yes. I am in the Vinyl Record Club now. Yes. Really, our interview with Blake won me over. Thanks, Blake. Honestly, like I was content with just listening to music on my commute and listen to it through Bluetooth. It's not the but same. It's not. No, it's not. It's not. And so I got a record player. It's pretty awesome. Like I went and rated my mom's records and I came back with like 20. Nice. <laughs> like I have this whole like superstars of the 70s and it has like Led Zeppelin on it. Nice. So I've been like listening to that and I listened to Prince album back in front and back in front already. Nice. Um, but I, see, I see it still sitting up yes, there. Yes, it's next to its pop figure. Yeah. Little, little princey pop. Princey pop. Purple Rain Prince. Yes. So here's my question though. Oh yeah. You're on... You know, I'm not even going to say a deserted island because that's just overplayed. I'm going to make this rock. You're in a deserted alley. <laughs> okay. But no one else is there. Like you're on this abandoned planet. Okay. And you're just, your home is a deserted alley. Okay. So just you and a record player. Okay. And the record player is, don't worry about how it's hooked in. You just have a record player. And okay. It works. And you can only bring one record with you to enjoy. Now, here's the thing. Here's oh. the thing though. Yeah. You have to already own the record. So you can't go to the abandoned speaker tree that's on this abandoned planet and raid it. It's not how it works. Hold on, I gotta answer this. We don't loot. But you can go off of the records that you currently have in your house. Okay. Which one would you bring in this deserted alley on this deserted planet? You're not gonna see another soul. That's easy. Young and Dangerous by the Struts. I forgot you had that. (laughs) I thought this was gonna be tricky. If we're exempting that, then... um, that's fine. You can make that in your answer. I mean, that is my answer, but I feel like you want a different answer. So that's fine. Uh, that is your choice. I'm going to say young and dangerous for the struts. All right. Hey, I respect your choice. <laughs> I just forgot you owned it. Yep. Like it's I signed. thought, of that, I thought of that question <laughs> while we took a break and I'm like, this is a good one. <laughs> it's an easy one. <laughs> and never mind. All right. I would actually, I think I would choose the Prince album that I've been listening to. I Cause that, that, <laughs> that's a great album so we both chose predictable answers <laughs> so is what i'm hearing sorry that was not but enlightening the second contender is a sergey rachmaninoff record i have i think my backup would be my um return of the jedi soundtrack oh that's a good choice that's a real i don't have yeah any, wait no i have a cinderella soundtrack there you go i might bring that i have a bunch of like walt disney records from the 50s nice i haven't delved into them yet but i'm super excited too Shout out to Blake for holding that record for me. So I come by it. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I'm Bethann. And I'm Leah. And this is She Will Rock You. Da-da-da. This is our second episode of 2020. Woo. This is also episode 17. Wow. We've done 17 episodes together. We've technically done 18, but... If you count the... If, uh, if you count the baby episode. But yeah. no, we've done 19 if you count the pre-one. Because oh, the 12th, human, 12th human's not numbered. Is Blake's episode numbered? Yeah, Blake's is numbered. Okay. So we've done 19. <coughs> That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes. We've made it. We're like, we're halfway to a year. Dang. It's I've exciting. never committed to anything for half a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better keep committing to it. <laughs> no way. I'm married for six years. Never mind. <laughs> so yeah, here we are. And um, who are we talking about? So recently, one of my dreams came true and I won a radio contest. 
to get some tickets. Oh yeah. I won I won concert tickets and a radio contest from our local station, WROV. And I'm going to see KISS next month. Nice. Well, February next month from when you're listening to this. So we're going to talk about KISS. That's awesome. Um, they've been on the list to do for a while. And I'll insert the normal disclaimer of they have a long career. Like mm-hmm. you don't even know. Uh, it's really like it's not even as long as the Stones, but they did so much stuff that it's it's hard to cover it all in here. We're going to skip large chunks. Uh, one day we'll come back and just visit Gene Simmons himself because he's a very interesting human. Oh, yeah. And um, so this is your, let's see, almost eight page version of Holy cow. Kiss. Random question. Yeah. Did you ever watch, what was it, Family Jewels? No. On A&E? It was following Gene Simmons and his family. I had no Shannon. clue that was a thing. Yeah, it was in A&E. Like, I didn't have time it, to dive into their personal <laughs> lives. There's a lot of stuff to cover. You the Gene Simmons episode, yes. but Basically, it was a reality show with... Him and his wife, Shannon. Oh, no, they weren't married. They were partners. His girlfriend. And then their two kids who were like 17 and 16 when the show filmed. Anyway. Interesting. I'll have to go look at that. To, to start this episode, I just want to redo the direct summary of what Kiss is from Wikipedia because it just kind of sets the tone for the whole episode. Uh, well known for its members' face paint and stage outfits, the group rose to prominence in the mid to late 70s with their elaborate live performances, which featured fire-breathing, blood-spitting, smoking guitars, shooting rockets, <laughs> levitating drum kits, and pyrotechnics. Yes. So Everything you want in a show. What else would you need? So it's the early 1970s. A young Gene Simmons and young Paul Stanley are in a band together called Wicked Lester. So we know Wicked that's not Lester. Lester. <laughs> Wicked Lester. I actually kind of like that a little bit. Well, no one else did because oh. they ended up recording one album and then the, whoever they recorded it with, I don't think it was a record label. They shelved it so that they could make a new band. <laughs> so that stuff's never been released. So the two of them start like looking for a drummer and a lead guitarist because you can't, you really can't have a band without those two things. Correct. So they are looking through an East Coast version of Rolling Stone mag. I guess there were like different coastal versions because you could put personal ads in them. And they came across Peter Chris, who was a drummer looking for a band. And they auditioned him and hired him on the spot because they were like, yes, we want him. And pretty much immediately the three of them just started rehearsing day in and day out. I watched a documentary where the band wasn't even formed yet. And Gene talks about he just kept a bed in the studio because it was easier to just sleep there than go home. And then we have a guitarist at this point. They're like not a full-fledged band. They started to experiment and figure out like, what are we going to sound like? Because Wicked Lester was, they were a rock band, Mm -hmm. but they weren't like heavy rock. And around this time, they're, so they're based in New York City, which is something we haven't experienced yet on this podcast. And so they're going on top of rehearsing every day. They're going out to music clubs every night and watching bands like the New York Dolls. Oh, yeah. Who had a very, I want to say campy presence because they had these like crazy costumes and they had makeup, which they later tried to imitate and said that they looked like four drag queens when they tried to do it (laughs) so that they didn't, they ended up not stealing their makeup, but they really liked their vibe. So they they have these crazy outfits and this makeup and they still don't even have a lead guitarist, but they auditioned for a record label. But, you know, surprise, surprise, it's 1973 and they didn't like the fact that they were four guys traipsing around in makeup so they didn't sign them mm-hmm. but it's okay because in january 1973 they audition lead guitarist ace fraley who they also hired on the spot because not only could he play guitar really well and 
I think Gene said in the interview I watched, like when, as soon as he started playing, they sounded like a real band. Yeah. He showed up wearing two different colored sneakers, <laughs> one red and one orange. And You're they were hired. like, I like this guy. <laughs> this guy, this guy doesn't come to play. <laughs> He's weird. Like us. <laughs> let's, let's sign him. So then they're a band. They have everyone they need and they dub themselves kiss, which why are they called kiss? What kind of happened? That's actually a great question. I do not know why they're called Kiss. So it kind of happened by accident. Simmons and Chris were driving around New York City one day. I don't know why. Oh, because one of them, I think it was Paul Stanley, drove a cab. So when he wasn't driving the cab for work, they kind of used the cab as their transportation, (laughs) which is a great way. Great loophole. Um, So they're driving around trying to think of a band name because they were still going as Wicked Luster at that point, even though they weren't Wicked Luster, but they had nothing else to go by. And so Chris was in a band previously called Lips. So Simmons said, well, what about Kiss? Oh, and that's how they named my. Every band that we have covered is just like. <laughs> oh, it gets better. Ellen John just pulling two of his <laughs> bandmates names like, all right, that's mine now. So that's how they named themselves. So then what do you have to do to your name yourselves? You got to come up with a logo. So the logo was also an accident. So they had all their posters were printed up. Then they said Wicked Lester. And a Wicked Lester, the S was a lightning bolt. So once they renamed themselves, they had to go rewrite their name over all those old posters. Mm-hmm. So they just made both S's and kiss a lightning bolt. Oh and that's gosh. how it stuck. <laughs> so they go and rewrite their name on all these posters. But then they also need like a real logo and not just a handwritten version. Yeah. So Paul Stanley designs the logo himself with a Sharpie and a ruler. And he accidentally, yes. <laughs> he accidentally draws the two S's non-parallel because he's just like eyeballing it. And later the art department with the record label asked him if he wanted to like redraft it to be perfect. And he goes, eh, it got us this far. Let's leave it alone. <laughs> Wait, so the, I'm trying to picture the Kiss logo. So the, the S's aren't, don't match up. They're just not even like, I guess in the original version that these didn't line up. I don't know. They've probably redone it since then, but because okay. he made it with a, a ruler yeah. they're very straight but he's like eh, it got us this far that's interesting just leave it alone and he says our number one rule has always been no rules there you go that's rock and roll which i appreciate but unfortunately those s's do look really similar to the nazi ss symbol which is outlawed in germany whoops so once they got bigger gene simmons and paul stanley are both jewish so yeah, they were like true. We did not mean it that way. We're so sorry. Like um, at one point I even, I didn't put it in here, but they were doing some kind of interview and like the interviewer was being a jerk and was like, you know, it'd be funny because no one knew who they were under the makeup. They were like, it'd be funny if you were just, you know, a normal Jewish boy and all that makeup. And they were like, "Uh, actually we are. Um, So they didn't want to like offend their Jewish people. Yeah. They probably weren't thinking about it. They're, they're 20 year olds in no, New York yeah. City. They're not thinking. So they they deny that that was not their intention. It was literally just like they wanted them to be lightning bolts. So anything that's been released in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Poland, Lithuania, Hungary, and Israel has a completely different logo where the S's are rounded. Wow. To avoid the controversy. Well, we'll pull that up as a graphic for the week. Yes. So because of that symbolism and because of their stage presence, and because of just who they are. There's been rumors about them being like kiss meaning other things. 
such as Knights in Satan's Service. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I read that in one of my tracks into the church one day. <laughs> I think it was the same one that made Led Zeppelin play it backwards. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, Kinder SS, Kids in Satan's Service. They deny that. The band has, there is nothing satanic about Kiss if you nah. listen to their music. Well, I mean, they are spitting blood. So, you know, I'll give them Which that. we'll get to. It's not real blood. Well, I mean, obviously. Even though there was a rumor at one point that Gene Simmons was, was killing puppies to get the blood to oh spit out. God. Yeah, people. Why? <laughs> you got to think. It's the 1970s. It's yeah. the height of satanic panic. True. We got Marilyn Manson running around murdering people. Uh, not Marilyn, Charles Manson. Charles Manson. No, not Marilyn, Marilyn Manson. Manson not it's a whole other people. story. <laughs> I got yeah, them confused a lot as a child. Um, so, you know, America's crazy. Yeah. They did some weird stuff to this band. Anyway, they have their, they have all four members now. So they first perform as Kiss on January 30th, like three weeks after they found their guitarist, at the Popcorn Club in Brooklyn. For their first three shows, they wore no makeup. They were just four dudes. Mm-hmm. They were they were trying to figure it out. Like I said, they tried the the New York Dolls approach with like glam makeup, yeah. but they didn't know what the heck they were doing. So they just looked like drag queens, and they, that was not the image they were going for. And so they took a lot of inspiration from Alice Cooper, and they were like, "What if we did this? We had four Alice Coopers with kind of their own like personas, which we'll get to those later." So they came up with the four different versions, and the makeup first debuted on the March 9th and 10th shows at the Daisy in Amityville, New York. Ooh, Amityville. Amityville. I only know that from like that one movie. Amityville Horse. Yep. <laughs> so they, they debuted the, the makeup in March and in November of that year, they got a record deal with Casablanca Records, which I'd never heard of. So they dropped their first album. They got a deal in November, dropped their first album February the next year. So it's pretty, fi- pretty fast, but for the sake of time, we're not going to really talk about it. It didn't go great. Mm-hmm. You know, his first album. They toured, they did some press, yada, yada, all that stuff. Second album, Hotter Than Hell, came out in October that same year. That one also flopped. And it was doing so bad that they were on tour for the album. And the record label was like, uh-uh, you got to come back. We don't have the money to keep you going. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so they quickly pulled them to come back and record. And I don't know if it was this one or their next album. I don't know when in the timeline this falls. But during one of these very, very early tours, the KKK actually protested them in Alabama. (laughs) 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 Which I just think is hilarious. Okay, the reasoning? When you're, when you're, they just were like, they they celebrate Satan. And I'm like, but but you're the KKK. uh, You want to think about that? So, I mean, it wasn't the press that they were necessarily hoping for, but it did get them on several people's radars. So they dropped Dress to Kill, which is their third album, in March 1975. So this is still really quick um, after their first two. And it's the one that contains their signature song, Rock and Roll All Night. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much the only great thing off that album. uh, Because their albums are selling horribly. Like, really, really badly. But they have an interesting dilemma where they, they have their recorded version of themselves. And then they have this hardcore following of fans who are coming to the shows and are like, you guys just don't give the same like impression on your records that you do live. Because yeah. let us let us talk about their live show here. They have like this nice, you know, early 70s sound on their, on their album. And you get to a show and you see these things. You see Gene Simmons spitting out blood, which is made from raw egg white, strawberry syrup, and red food coloring. Oh, he's, wait, he's spitting out raw eggs? <laughs> 
raw egg whites. Still. Strawberry syrup. So it probably tasted pretty good. Oh. And food coloring. He's breathing fire by spitting flammable liquid at a torch, which when he was learning that trick, he definitely caught several things on fire. That's awesome. Fraley, while he's doing his guitar solo, his guitar bursts into flames because he would put light, these those little light up like flash bomb things mm-hmm. and smoke bombs inside his guitar, which sounds really damaging to the guitar. Yeah. Somehow Chris elevated his drum riser so it like it was levitating and it's levitating and sparking. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> and then Paul Stanley is taking a, a note from our friend Pete Townsend and is smashing his guitar. Yeah. And of course, you know, while all that's happening, there's like pyrotechnics and shit happening behind them. <laughs> so it's a crazy show. Right. But because their albums aren't selling, they're blowing shit up every night and yeah, spending. Yeah, they're probably spending tons of money. So much money. Casablanca goes like basically bankrupt. <gasps> because of Kiss? I'm not going to say it's because of Kiss, but it definitely wasn't helping. <laughs> um, oh, God. Because they, I mean, they've. They put them on contract and they recorded three albums that flopped like really hard. They didn't even break to the top 100. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a time when like America's still being weird about rock and roll, but we're not like opposed yeah. to it. Like they should have had fans. Well, they're kind of because I always think Kiss, I think of the 80s. Oh, just wait. So that's like, I feel like. Anyway, they were I feel, a little I feel like the they were a little before their time. I will say um, if we thought that Journey was crazy. Where you're in for a surprise with Kiss. Oh, I can't wait. So that's mid-1975. And they start thinking, and they're like, you know, people keep coming to our shows and saying, you sound different live than you do on the record. So what do they do? Release a double live album. There you go. It's called Alive. It was released in September 1975, which, let, let us not forget, they just released Dress to Kill in March 1975. They... It was made up of recordings from shows in Detroit, Cleveland, and Wildwood, New Jersey from the, the last year. Mm-hmm. It spawned their first 40 hit, which was the live version of Rock and Roll Night, all, or Rock and Roll All Night. The studio version on the third album doesn't have a guitar solo. Oh, so, so the that's one, the moneymakers, the guitar solo. The one that you've heard and probably are familiar with is actually the live version mm-hmm. because they, they wrote that into there. Um, and it's credited with not only saving Kiss's career, but it also saved Casablanca from bankruptcy because well, that nice. made bank. So after this, they get a new producer, Bob Ezrin, who worked with Alice Cooper, their hero. Yeah. And they make Destroyer, which was released in March 1976. So if you're keeping track, this is their fifth album in three years. They, this one, like, they were already pretty popular with Alive, but this just, it blew up. And when they were promoing this, like before it came out, they released Detroit Rock City as the A side. Mm-hmm. And the B side was Beth. And they were like, we'll just put that on there. It's a nice song. It's like a nice contrast to Detroit yeah. Rock City. But Beth blew up. It was like, I mean, that, that was probably the first song that I knew by them. Thanks, Glee. I had no clue they had a song called Beth until then. Yeah, it's in Glee. Um, Puck sings it to his baby. <laughs> uh, we're not I probably gonna, have heard it, and I just you've probably know. heard it, but it showed the other side of them because all their songs are like, ah, and this is like this nice song about you're on the road and you miss your girlfriend, and it's just it's I don't want to say it's acoustic because it's not just the guitar, but it's a much calmer side mm-hmm. to kiss. They follow this with 
two more studio albums in less than a year. Holy cow. Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun. Then they release a second live album called Creatively Alive 2 in 1977. And all three like went platinum like that. They're selling stuff now. 1977, a Gallup poll named Kiss the most popular band in America. In Japan, Kiss performed five sold out shows in Tokyo, breaking the record of four held by the Beatles. Dang. In May 1977, Kiss made their first of many comic appearances in Howard the Duck. That's right. He was in Howard the Duck. Uh, Issue 12 by Marvel, which later springboarded them into having their own comic book series. Because Marvel produced a comic book, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Which I kind of like, I knew about. Wait, so you're telling me <laughs> there's a future. Kisses in the, in the MCU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't see them at Endgame? <laughs> they were there. <laughs> Fighting alongside Doctor Strange. They just show up. So yeah, they're technically a part of the MCU. That's they were like crime fighting with their persona. It was weird, <laughs> but it made them money. As did many other things at this time. So they, they're they like releasing albums, but they went hard on the commercial like promo stuff yeah i don't want to say i have nothing to to back up this claim i don't want to say they're the reason we have band merch but i think they're the reason we have band merch i wouldn't be surprised because they came up with some weird shit so they had they released two comic books at one time and like a special edition through marvel Mm -hmm. and the first edition contained ink mixed with actual blood donated by the group Wait, what? Yes. The holy whoa hold on. So the comic book Yes, it was printed with ink. But they also put their own blood in it. They put their blood in the ink. Which doesn't sound sanitary at all. No. So there's that. But I'm thinking from a logistic, how much blood do they have to donate to print? I don't think it's very much. They probably just put like a couple vials in this big vat of red ink or whatever color it was. But like what a selling point. You can own a comic book with, with the Gene actual Simmons blood. Yes. Yes. You can <laughs> kiss pinball machine. <laughs> you could get kiss dolls slash action figures. They probably didn't like them being called dolls. They, I, we should, I need to find the commercial and post it. You can get a, a kiss your face makeup kit oh my complete with diagram of how to, to simulate your favorite band members makeup. Mm-hmm. Halloween masks. You know, that was a popular Halloween costume in the 80s. They had board games, lunchboxes, trading cards, and then membership into the Kiss Army, which is still a thing, which is their fan club. But when it launched in the the early mid-70s, membership was, it cost six figures. Are you kidding me? Wait, I think I, I'm just now understanding how this is. Right. So membership, which had, I think the way this is written, there were six figures of members. So it was like a hundred thousand or more. You had that to, makes more sense. You had to give a hundred thousand dollars. No, ignore that. Okay. So let me restart that. Yeah, restart it. So you sh- there's also a membership to the Kiss Army, which was their fan club, which had member counts in the six figures. Okay. Wikipedia wrote okay. that weird. But yeah. That's right. They they wrote the Bing Crosby one weird. That's still <laughs> a thing because when I originally was supposed to go see Kiss last or this past year, like Kiss Army got the first presale mm-hmm. it was like kiss army presale credit card presale something else presale something yeah. else presale they have like seven presales for yeah. major tours but kiss army gets 
Hey, this is Kenny with Earfloss, a music history podcast. Earfloss is a bi-weekly music history podcast where each episode, me and a co-host, usually Natalia, take an in-depth look at a different band or musician from all genres and all times. We go into their life, their career, their history, and we talk about their music. You can find Earfloss on CastBox at castbox.fm or wherever you listen to podcasts. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Check it out. Earfloss, music history podcast. First dibs still to this day. Between 1977 and 1979, it's estimated that their merchandise sales, both in store and on tour, was uh, gathered $100 million. Holy cow. Which I think $100 million in 1977 is probably like... It's a lot of money. Who knows now? It's it's a bigger inflation than you think it is. So they're doing great. Yeah, they're fine. But they want to take things to the next level. Their gross income like the the merchandise and everything just for 1977 was 10 million dollars so they were like how can we top this and their manager who i have to give credit where credit is due came up with the most genius plan that i've ever seen so there's two parts to this plan the first is all four band members simultaneously on the same day release solo albums Ooh. So that's smart. They tried to play it off as like, we want to do these solo albums because we don't like each other. We're mad. We want to do our own thing. Mm -hmm. But if you read their 1976 contract, those four solo records are in that contract. Yeah. With each of them counting as half an album towards the five record commitment. Mm -hmm. So they would count as two albums in that in that one. Each album was was a complete solo effort. Like none of the other band members appear on the other's albums and they were all released and marketed as kiss albums so don't try to pass them off as we didn't do it as kiss yeah because they use the same art department and the same like art themes for all the album arts and it's the first time ever that current members of a rock band release solo albums in the same day probably i would i bet it's safe to bet that that hasn't happened again no i doubt it will so it's nice because they they do get to explore their own sounds so like Stanley's and Fraley's were were very similar to Kiss. It's pretty much just a Kiss album under a different yeah. name. <laughs> uh, Chris's album features R and B music with multiple albums, but Gene Simmons was the most diverse of the four, which features you got hard rock, you got some ballads, you got a Beatles influenced pop song, but then you also have a cover of "When You Wish Upon a Star" from Pinocchio. I would love to hear that. Because when Gene Simmons was 12 years old, his hero was Jiminy Cricket. Oh. And here's a direct quote from him, because this is just the cutest thing I've ever heard. He said, I saw this little bug singing, fairy tales can come true. They can happen to you. And I'm thinking, me? It was a religious experience. Jiminy Cricket was my Christ. This this kind of dawning consciousness of, I can be great. (laughs) Jiminy Cricket was my Christ. <laughs> so there you have it. Gene Simmons worships Jimmy Cricket. Uh, that was one of the best, one of the best phrases I've ever heard. <laughs> um, bringing you hard-hitting news here on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, so all those dropped on September 18th, 1978. 
Casablanca spent $2.5 million on marketing them and then announced that they were just going to ship out 5 million copies, which guaranteed platinum sales. Oh, man. So that's just part one. The, the second part, and I forgot this was the second part. So they decided, you know what would make us cool? Let's make a movie. Yes, like every good rock band before them. Yeah. They were inspired by the Beatles and the Who and yeah. the stuff that they did. But their movie is going to be different. It's going to be a cross between A Hard Day's Night and Star Wars. So Spaceballs. No, worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, it uh, did not meet those expectations. I mean, 78, when did the first, when did A New Hope come out? It was not that. 1977. Yeah, so like... The technology wasn't there yet. George yeah. Lucas invented all that stuff. Correct. By himself. And I don't know if he'd be willing to lend it to Kiss. <clears throat> no, he's not leaving it to Kiss. I mean, Kiss could have paid for it, but George Lucas. Oh, yeah. He With, had other things on his George mind. George be willing, yeah. He um, was working on the holiday special. Ugh. <laughs> um, so it, di- it did not work, <laughs> as you can imagine. They The name of the movie is Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. <laughs> Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Of the park. It did not have a theatrical release. It just aired on NBC. Well, it, the, oh, sorry. The original release was not theatrical. It just aired on NBC on October 28th, 1978. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh shit, this really sucks. So they edited a lot. And then they released it theatrically. <laughs> and they changed the name to Attack of the Phantoms, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. They were trying to be Star Wars and we later had Attack of the Clones. <laughs> but Okay. Phantom Menace and yeah. Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Phantoms. Merge. The band hated it. They 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 regretted it. They said it was one of the dumbest things they ever did. They had no clue what they were doing. They didn't have any acting experience. Yeah. They didn't have any CGI or special effects. They just wanted to be the Who. There's um, a lot of similarities between them and the Who. Like yeah. destructive art. Yes, for sure. And like the whole premise of the movie is that they're supposed to be rock and roll superheroes with like I watched some clips in this documentary. They like one of them can shoot like laser beams out of the guitar. Good. But as should. they said that the film portrayed them more as clowns than superheroes, which is not wrong. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so all this whole time, these the eighties, they're wearing their makeup everywhere. Like people do not they know their names, but they don't know what they look like mm-hmm. outside of this makeup appearance. In in the documentary, I think it was Peter Chris talks about how he got in a fight with a guy at a bar because the bartender didn't believe he was Peter Chris. He was like, I'm Peter Chris. He's like, Peter Chris wouldn't come to this bar. This bar is below him. He's like, but I am. <laughs> so he ended up like getting in a fight and showing his driver's license to him. Um, so they decide that they'll, they'll wear the makeup for a little while longer, but they do eventually want to come out with their faces because they want to be recognized for all this hard work they've put in. Right. But in May 1979, they released their first album in two years called Dynasty, which includes the hit single, I Was Made For Loving You. That tour, they kind of had been taking a little bit of a break from from touring to make that weird movie and do their solo projects. So this tour was an ample marketing opportunity to be the return of Kiss. And they wanted to be the biggest, best Kiss tour ever. So they drew up plans for a Kiss-themed traveling amusement park called Kiss World. Are you kidding me? (laughs) These guys, like, they're on the verge of being Walt Disney and Satan. I told you. like, (laughs) Not that they're satanic. It's not kids and saints or whatever you're saying. But it's literally like, I would imagine a goth person would think this idea. This is like a forward-thinking goth. Yeah, they just didn't have the money for it, so they couldn't do it. But like... 
can you imagine if there was a tour that traveled with a theme park centered around the band dude first band you think of that you wish had a queen uh, that was a good one <laughs> i would say if prince was still alive mm. prince that'd be a that'd good be one i wish that kiss world would have been a thing because it would have been crazy oh it'd been fun like i said you we can th- go down a slide that's gene simmons tongue exactly which great i don't think i put this in here either but of the many rumors around kiss is that gene simmons tongue was grafted from a cow <laughs> it's not a thing that's actually his tongue that's um, really funny he does have a crazy weird long tongue so this while they're on this tour things get really testy in the band so fun fact is gene simmons doesn't drink I didn't know that. So the other three, especially Ace Fraley, would be plastered. But Gene would be fine. He's over in the corner like, hey. <sighs> um, but he had his own problems. He he's I mean, recently he just came out and admitted that he was a sex addict. Like in this um documentary, yeah. he calls himself a twenty four hour whore, where he was like, We'd be in a hotel and the maid would come in and I'd do her. And then we go to the show and oh. I'd I'd find two groupies before the show and I'd be on stage signaling to my roadie pointing out which girls i wanted him to bring backstage for me to do later holy he's crap. like i had problems yeah so props to him for admitting that good for him i'm gonna uh, just hopefully think that all the women in these situations were consensual uh um, yeah we won't focus on that but he they all had their own problems and they kind of come to like a boiling point on halloween 1979 they go on a late night show called the tomorrow show and ace fraley is just like plastered and he just keeps like laughing at weird times and making just like inappropriate jokes and kind of stealing the spotlight from the others when they were there to promote the band he's kind of hogging it and that's kind of like the minute they were things weren't repairable yeah um so they finish off that tour but chris and the rest of the band are just like not getting along his drumming skills weren't keeping up with the rest of the band skills and they even accuse like there were some shows where he would just like slow down or just stop playing and they were like bro what the hell are you doing and he's right. like i don't want to do this anymore so he leaves the band but don't worry he's not gone forever we will see him again so they are like yeah we need we need a drummer because we cannot have not have a drummer mm-hmm. so they audition a bunch of people and then they finally settle on and this is a direct quote Little known drummer, guitarist, pianist, keyboardist, singer from Brooklyn (laughs) named Paul Charles Caravello, Mm -hmm. who went by the stage name Eric Carr. Uh, He so they all have their their makeup personas, which I'll talk about at the end. He they were like, you can't use Chris's makeup look. You need your own. So he was like, I want to be a hawk. So they he like like puts it on his face and Stanley was like, um, you look like a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so he went on, he went with a fox instead of the hawk. Is that the two? No, that's the cat man. Okay, that's cat man. We'll talk about all of their personas at the end. Because as you will see, this is not the last staff change. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1981, as all bands did in the 1980s, they were like, we're going to make a concept album. Yes. They did not do it well. They really, Their album's called Music from the Elder, which features medieval horns, strings, harps, and synthesizers. In addition to, like, the electric guitar and bass that they already have, like, they thought it was, like, a work of art 
and it was genius right looking back at it now they're like yeah that sucked (laughs) (laughs) i read an article where they like regret making it and they presented it as a soundtrack to a film but the film was never made so like there's supposed to be a plot line, but you can't follow it just on the songs alone. You need the film to back. You, that's that's the problem with a concept album. Yeah, you, you, need, you need to know the story from front to beginning. Yeah, you can't follow front it. Front to end, rather. So uh, fans hate it. I bet. It does not sell. Ace Fraley doesn't... He didn't want to do that anyway. He got pushed into it. And so he goes, peace. And he leaves too. So they're down to two of the original members. Replaced their drummer. And they're like, hmm, what can we do to make people look at us again? Let's go without the makeup. So in 1983, they appear on MTV to promote their new single, Lick It Up, without makeup for the first time. But around this time, they they find a replacement for Ace Fraley. His name's Bruce Kulik. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And he, he stays with them for the next 12 years, which makes that the most stable lineup since the original. They they're, they feel like they're in a good place. They're like, hey, we should make a new album to make up for that disaster that we don't want to talk about. But unfortunately, tragedy strikes. In 1991, Eric Carr finds out that he has a tumor on his heart. Mm-hmm. It was successfully removed, but I mean, it's the 90s. Cancer treatment's not great. Yeah. Uh, so they discovered two more on his lungs. He oh, started man. getting chemotherapy. He was pronounced cancer-free in, in July, but in September, he suffered two cerebral hemorrhages and then died on November 24th, That's 1991. Sad. He was only 41 years old. Coincidentally, though, it's the same day Freddie Mercury died. Really? Yeah, which I think, you know, two two greats going out on the same day. Yeah. Um. So they, they took some time to mourn the loss, but right. they're like, we're not going to let this stop us. So they bring back... Or they bring in veteran drummer Eric Singer. Mm-hmm. They release a new album called Revenge on May 19th, 1992, which is an interesting title considering one of their band members died. But read into yeah. that as you will. Uh, they go on a tour, a club tour, not a stadium tour, because they're, you know, they're shrinking a little bit here. And then they, wait. oh, so they go on a club tour to gear up for their big American tour in September. Which was later turned into the live album. Do you want to take a guess at the name? Alive 3. Yep. Yes. Released on May 14th, <laughs> 1993. So it's the 90s. They've been a band for like 20 years. So what do they do? They take advantage of the nostalgia of their fans and start mm-hmm. to release even more shit. July 1995, 1994. They release Kiss My Ass, Classic Kiss Regrooved, which is a compilation album, which is kind of like, uh, I want to say Kids Bop, but like... <laughs> I love this. Disney Mania, where they take Kiss songs and then just give them to other artists to do. Yeah. So we have a Lenny Kravitz funky version of Deuce, featuring Stevie Wonder on harmonica. Oh, dang. A ska punk version of Detroit Rock City, by the Mighty Mighty Bostones and Garth Brooks performing Hard Luck Woman oh with Kiss as Garth Brooks' backup band. <laughs> so uh, I did okay. Yeah. I didn't want to go listen to it. I didn't have time to listen to it, but that just sounds weird. In 1995, they released the book Kistry, 
a 440-page, nine-pound, detailed chronicle of the group's history. Thank you for putting the weight on it. Wikipedia did, and I was like, damn, that's a big book. That same year, things called Worldwide Kiss Conventions pop up. These fans, I have to admire them. They just... They love what they love. They love what they love, and uh, I'll talk about it in a little bit, but like... They were bonded. They were basically, Mm -hmm. they had the same bond that like deadheads have. Um, So these conventions were an all day thing, which I mean, it's a comic con around kiss. So you, you can imagine what it is. They've got like kiss did partner with them. So it's not like this just fans going rogue. It's an official sponsored. It's an official thing. So like they had past stage outfits would, would make the circuit instruments of theirs, other memorabilia. They'd invite, popular kiss cover bands to perform they let vendors come sell kiss merchandise so it's like you know the original etsy (laughs) for bands (laughs) um and then in 1995 kiss actually would come to the conventions and the what they did was really cool they would do a two-hour acoustic set without a set list they would just take fan requests oh that's awesome so that's pretty cool that's really nice i would go to one of those for the struts let's be real and it's during the circuit that our buddy Peter Chris comes back to the band for the first time in 16 years. Oh, wow. And the funny thing about that is he had to relearn the entire catalog because he hasn't played in 16 years. Right. So he says, I'll, I'll read his direct quote. I really forgot all the songs after 17 years. I was so frustrated at needing to relearn my own stuff. Like, why did I put that intricate part in there? Now I've got to redo that part. <laughs> I would go home, I kid you not, and watch old shows from the 70s like a football player prepping for the next game. Wow. So, um, Yeah, it's kind of hard to keep all that in your noggin. Yeah, but he also made it hard on himself by A, leaving, but B, writing really hard guitar parts. Yeah. Uh, hold on, i got to check this. Yes. Wait, he was a drummer, right? Yes, he was a drummer. Okay. Oh, sorry. Really hard drum, drum parts. parts. So for the sake of time, because where are we at? We're at 45 minutes. We're at 45 minutes and we've only hit the 90s. We're going to skip the rest of the 90s. Okay. We're going to jump to 2001 when the band, there's a hair on my mic, was supposed to retire <laughs> Okay. at the end of their farewell tour. So they, they're they getting up there. This is what, 30 years? Yeah. This is about yeah, 30 so years in their career. they're going into their 50s. They want, they want to settle down. So they release, because, you know, they're not going to turn down a chance to make money. Yeah. The the box set, which has 94 tracks on five CDs, which, you know, is, is expensive, but they had to outdo themselves on the price of that by introducing the Kiss Casket. What? <laughs> it's, it's exactly what you think. It is a casket. Um... Yeah, they uh, just kiss memorabilia. Uh-huh, and I gotta look it up. No, it's to be buried in. You can be buried in a kiss casket. I don't know why I forgot to Google this. Someone bury me in a poppy. So casket. this is, what, oh, this is better than I, than I expected. Oh, I can't wait. So this is what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We'll post. We'll have to put it up as a. Is this a graphic? Who's this man standing? I don't know. He up. looks like John Travolta. Oh no, that's Gene. <laughs> That's Gene, and he's turned the kiss casket into a beer. That sounds right. A, a, a beer cooler. We will share this as a uh, image, but it's basically, it's a casket with a bunch of kiss photos on it. Yeah, shame on me to think they would just stuff with memorabilia, make it this fun thing. Nope, no. an actual casket. 
uh, as part of the the promo for it, Gene Simmons said, "I love living, but this makes the alternative look pretty damn good." Oh my god! <laughs> so, surprise! Their farewell tour was not the last, even in the early two thousands. So they they kind of disappeared for a year, but then they were like, "Hmm, let's go on tour with Aerosmith <laughs> in two thousand three." So for that one, they got. I'm going to say they got really greedy. I mean, I think the 90s was a time or the early 2000s was a time we started to see like ridiculous VIP packages for bands. Mm -hmm. Um, They they're the opening act on this tour. They're not even like the main act. And they introduced a platinum tickets package, which starts at one thousand dollars. Oh, man. And like, I feel like a that's a slap in the face to Aerosmith. But who's paying that? Yeah. There's, I mean, that's still a thing. When I looked at the prices for the show I'm going to, like, you can get a, that same package, basically. Wow. Back then, it included a seat in the first five rows, a meet and greet with Kiss after their performance, which is interesting, and a photograph with the band. So really, nothing that's worth $1,000. Yeah. Around this time, well, in 1999, they become eligible for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But they're not nominated into sh- until 2009 and not inducted until 2014. Wow, really? It took that long? It took that long. They, they, Stanley and Simmons were like, it means nothing to us. We don't need to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's not, a, you know, something that we necessarily feels like defines our success. Yeah, you wanted it. You know it. They wanted it. But about 200 KISS fans took it upon themselves to have a protest in front of the Hall of Fame in Cleveland (laughs) in 2006, which was the first organized demonstrational protest seeking induction of a band. So there you go. It worked. In September 2018, they performed on America's Got Talent. And the next day, I guess that was like their intro to this big announcement. They announced that they're going to be for real, for real retiring at the end end of the end yeah. of the world tour which would start in 2019 so they kicked off january 31st 2019 in vancouver british columbia the tour features 186 dates that run through october 3rd 2020 in fort worth texas mm-hmm. uh however in february or not however but in february 2019 simmons said that the tour would likely bring them between 150 and 200 million holy cow not counting ancillaries licensing merchandise and stuff like that this guy how rich are they they have to be loaded i'll google their their worth at the end of this because they like they're ridiculous with their merchandising yeah um they later amended that announcement where it would end on october 2020 they're added another show july 17th 2021 in new york city to bring the whole thing full circle they wanted to go out in new york city because they started in new york yeah, city i get nice. that um so one thing like they they come under a lot of criticism because they're hella old um i found an article from a few years ago when they were in their early 60s so despite the fact that they're old they toured most of their lives and some of them had some drinking problems they're like in really good health yeah, as opposed to shocking. like a Mick Jagger or a Keith Richards. Um, Fraley, at the time of this article, I think it was 2016, said, I just got the cleanest bill of health I've had in 10 years. I don't have any damage to my internal organs. As long as I stay sober, I'm good for 20 or 25 more years. 
Wow. Uh, Peter Chris says he's never been in better shape going into this tour. He takes no blood pressure medicine, doesn't have diabetes, doesn't have cancer. But however, he did recently have a hernia taken out because it was starting to look like an alien. <laughs> so they are still touring throughout most of 2020. That's impressive. So they're coming near you. This probably is your last chance to see them. I don't think that they're going to go on another tour. Yeah. They may pull they're them out. They're in their 70s? Um, let me see how old Gene Simmons is. He, Gene Simmons is 70. Okay. So, I mean, they could, but I think they're set for life. They've they're got, fine. they've got some monies. Um, so let's talk about their makeup for a hot second. They, like I said, they, they took inspiration from Alice Cooper, but wanted to kind of not just throw on makeup and not have it mean anything. So they wanted to give each of them a, uh, like a character persona. So I didn't put who is who in here. So let me see if I can keep this straight. If I get it wrong, it's totally my fault. The star child is Paul Stanley. He's got the little star over his eyes. He's got red lips. And in the interview I watched, he (laughs) says, I always knew I was a star. What else would I choose as my makeup? And I was like, Okay, valid. <laughs> uh, the demon is Gene Simmons. It's got the like the vertical stripe things around his eyes. It's usually got blood spilling out of his mouth. The spaceman is the hardest one to describe. It's the silver. Ace Frehley has that one. Yeah. And the drummer, whether whoever it is in their history, usually goes as the Catman, which is like the whiskers. They used to when they would bring in new people, give them new personas. So there's been two others that have been added. The Fox, when Eric Carr was in the band, but no one else has taken that over. And then they had a guy, his last name is Vincent, for a little while. Mm -hmm. I didn't talk about him because he wasn't in the band very long, but he was the Ankh warrior. So he had like this big gold Egyptian Ankh on his forehead. Oh, jeez. The original four makeup designs of the Star Child, Demon, Spaceman, and the Catman are registered with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. (laughs) Nice. So there you go. No one can take them. Licensed rights are held by Paul Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. And I just want to give a shout out to Kiss fans because at the beginning of the Kiss career or Kiss's career, these poor guys, and I will say they were mostly guys, they just got beat up. Like in the documentary I watched, they interviewed some fans and like one guy talks about how he got beat up in an alley for being a Kiss fan, like wearing a Kiss shirt. And like, that's just not cool. The... Uh, Gene Simmons, or sorry, Peter Chris says, I always looked at our fans as the big heavy kids in the back of the room being made fun of, or the kid who has really long hair in the neighborhood when no one else had it. And those kids are the ones who really needed a hero. So they like, they love their fans. Oh, they, they love them so much. Merchandise the hell out of them, but that's Yeah. They knew (laughs) they would buy their (laughs) shit, but, and then the last story I will share is a heartwarming story of Cadillac high school in, I forget where in California. But it was this high school football team, and they were losing, like, really badly all the time. Underdog story of the year. So one of their coaches was like, why don't we give the boys something that'll loosen them up? So they start playing Kiss songs in the locker room. They start naming their plays after uh, Kiss songs. uh, And just, like, becoming this Kiss team. It's real cute. And they started winning. And they, like, went on. I want to say they went on, maybe not to win their state championship, but they won a lot of games in a row. So the the band this is i want to say late 70s mm-hmm. uh they get the the football team invites the band 
to their little town in the middle of California and they dub it Kiss Day and they rename the town for a day to Kiss Town USA and they throw them a parade. They rename Main Street uh, Kiss Avenue. They have the members of Kiss put on makeup to like the school principal, <laughs> all the teachers, the whole football team plays that night with makeup like personally done by Gene Simmons. That's and so cool. It was just really cute. And I That's was like, really nice. They have this like really, really tough exterior. But they're just really nice guys. Yeah. They may spit blood on stage. But I could see that. A lot of these guys, you have to keep in mind, like, these persona people, when they're off stage, they're really nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, I will throw one more story in here. Yeah. They recently played a con- uh, concert for some sharks. They were the first. Yes, that's right. <laughs> they were the first <laughs> underwater concert. It was, like, some kind of weird, I want to say, like, visa cardholder thing. You could, you could be a part of the, the human audience, <laughs> but... They played a contest or a con- I keep saying contest. contest concert for some sharks. I don't think Gene Simmons showed up to that. He but he didn't show did. up to his own concert. I don't I don't know. It's been a couple of weeks. I remember reading an article about it. Yeah, because that was from this year. Yeah, it was like early this year, though. No, I thought it was like September. Was it September? Google I want to say March. Kiss shark concert. Why is that the first suggestion? Um, November. Oh, November. October? November. Aquatic concert. Everything feels early to me than it actually is. This headline is Kiss played a concert for sharks. Sharks didn't show. (laughs) 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 They didn't appreciate what they had. Anyway, I'm drinking today. What are you drinking? I'm drinking Charm City Mead Works Wildflower Mead. And I really like it. I've, I've had mead before, never in a can. But I like this because it says, while each with each can of Charm City Mead, we toast to bees and their honey. We toast Aww. to ancient traditions for their influence. We toast to our home, Baltimore, and we toast to you. May the nectar of the gods be your cho- nectar of choice. So it's a, it's a really pretty can. Cheers, mate. They're trying to save the bees. Save the bees. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. You also can leave us a review. Tell us what you... You can also leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Moving on. Leave a review. (laughs) (laughs) Please leave that in there. Special thanks to Josh Tarpley for our intro riff and Lauren Page Photography for our cover art. We also like to throw out a special thank you to Backline Coffee and to Speaker Tree Records. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at She Will Rock You Podcast. We're also on Twitter. Yeah, we're still on Twitter. Cool. Yep. At She Will Rock the letter U Pod. You also can follow us individually at Beth Ann Tarpley or at Leah Elizabeth J. You can also send us an email at She Will Rock You Podcast at gmail.com. You have any memories of Kiss? Are you in the Kiss Army? Did you buy a Kiss casket? Are you going to be buried in that Kiss casket? Let us know when the funeral is. We want to come. <laughs> um, but yeah, let us know. And then also, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Admit if you're a sex addict. Get some help. Get some help. See ya. Bye. Oh, um, it's already barking. Sounds like it. Oh, I'm-
the dogs. Ha, ha, ha.